Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> How about that? It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's episode 56, the Spencer Turnbull edition. On today's show, we are joined by Ariel Cohn, known for his ATC projection system. He is also 2019 FSWA Writer of the Year and a 2021 nominee for Best Fantasy Baseball Article. Join your host, Michael Govier, as he talks to Ariel about his ATC projection system and his process, how he looks at fantasy and strategy. Settle in, because we're going to learn about an Ariel Cohen you've never known before in Enrico's Inquisition. And we have a Mad as Hell segment to close out the show. Take it away, boys! Welcome to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You are tuned in on a very special day. We got another great guest in the hopper. It's an exciting moment for us here. Don't forget, it's Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. That's right. We never, never let you down. And we keep the train rolling as February has begun with none other than Ariel Cohen. He is 2019 fantasy sports writer of the year a multi-time nominee again a nominee this year for article fantasy article of the year the founder and creator of the atc projections the list goes on and on and on it's our pleasure to have ariel cohen on the show today welcome in ariel thank you so much for that really wonderful introduction i really appreciate it and how, how are you doing today i am doing great i've been looking forward to talking to you in fact i've been like this is the first guest I've had on where I've been kind of nervous because, I mean, you really know your stuff. You have so much that you do. You're very well respected. And I, you know, I don't get starstruck that often. I've, you know, we've had Chris Towers on. We've had people on from Derek Van Riper, a lot of people who are well known in the industry. But you are uh, you are very impressive, the work that you do. And I think the reputation and what people think of you, what your peers say about you really speaks for itself. And they have nothing but great things to say about you. So, uh, kudos to you, man. It's a real pleasure to be talking. You are, 
you are too kind. You are too kind. Th- thank you so much. I, I'm just a guy just uh, trying to win my fantasy league. And, you know, I, I really had that mentality from the start. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not here to do anything special. Um, I'm just I'm just here to win my league. And if I can help others out at the process, then all the better. <laughs> wow. That is very, very humble of you. And we do appreciate humbleness and modesty on the show as well. It's going to be a good one today. We're going to cover... A bunch of stuff. We'll be talking about the ATC projections for 2021. They are out in case you've been living under a rock or you just haven't tuned into fantasy yet. Maybe you took January off, you took December off, and now it's February and you're ready to commit and you're coming into the fray for the first time. Welcome in. Good to have you aboard. We'll talk about some silly stuff and some things beyond baseball in Enrico's Inquisition. And we'll get into our fantasy breakdown, look at some ADP conundrums that continue to flummox me. Along with some new faces in new places. Will there be the same results? Will they change? We'll talk about that. We'll look at some of Ariel's fantasy foundation, how he really breaks down fantasy, not just his projections, but how he does his own teams, how he looks at player analysis and what he does. We'll try to get as much as we can out of him without him revealing everything. We'll do a little shout out, ride the pond, get your tweets and emails. And I think we got a mad as hell for the end of this one. That is going to be outstanding. So having said that, Ariel, what is one thing about you besides baseball that we should know about? Uh, ooh, let's see. Um, I ran for president in 2016. I ran from the great state of New York and I received 37 votes. I don't know if that's interesting or not. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting. 37 votes. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really put too much cash uh, out to do that. So I think per dollar, I think I did very, very well. Did you, you have your own pack? It sounds like you didn't have your own pack. No, there was no no pack putting me up. Uh, I, I just ran as, uh, hey, an option if you want to vote for me. And sure enough, some friends and family and people uh, did. You can actually verify that uh, you can look up the New York State official uh, election results and you can see my name there. It's, uh, it's I'm not making this one up. That was not what I expected, but that's cool. <laughs> I ran for president in ninth grade and I won. That was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I figured I'd, I'd go for the top, you know, go to the U.S. president. and just yeah. skip, Let's skip the uh, school council or anything like that. Go right to the top. I respect <laughs> the man who's willing to go for the gold. Oh, very, very cool. All right. Uh, quick shout outs, by the way. We want to say thank you to. Russell Withers. Russell Withers continues to be one of the biggest supporters of the show at Armchair Roto. He also has his own information and fantasy advice that he can give you if you go to his website. So go to at Armchair Roto on Twitter. Give him a follow. Go check out his website. He's always been very positive towards the show, and we really thank him for that. Plus, he's been keeping the Russell Crowe Master and Commander bit going for like three weeks now. (laughs) Van Lee came on the show like a month ago, and we some reason, I said I just watched Master Commander, which I found to be an excellent film. And uh, he laughed in my face. But I was supported by Russell on Twitter. So thank you, Russell. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and keep the gifts coming on Twitter for the rest of the year because that joke just never gets old to me. Also, th- shout out to Chris from Baseball Pods. Nobody does more to support Fantasy Baseball Podcast than Chris. He is always willing to share new pods give exposure to other pods who aren't getting it. And he also has his own website. He's great, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has his own website too. And people seem to forget that. Uh, Check, check out his website because 
He has a lot of information himself, and not just is he a supporter of other fantasy baseball podcasts. He plays himself. He's a high-stakes player. He plays everywhere, and he knows everything that everybody is up to. I've never seen a guy who's so locked in to the fantasy baseball world. So give Chris a follow. That would be very kind of you. Did you have a podcast in Chris's bracket last year that he did? I did, um, and I was doing pretty well, actually, until I ran into uh, Rob Silver and uh, his Launch Angle podcast, and he got the entire country country of Canada to vote against me. Um, his uh, his wife is uh, uh, somebody who's high up there, and uh, I don't know, I got like ten thousand votes against me. So it's hard to it's hard to beat Canada there, uh, but uh, it's it good that I, good that I had a good showing in the in the uh, tournament. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, he totally yeah. stole. He took Canada on. When you get a whole country on your side, that's just not fair. So, yeah, we we had never been in it. We were a low seed, and we went out in the first round. But that's fine. It was cool. Just That was our first exposure to the world. So I remember that being a good time. And we'll see what happens this year. I'm sure he'll do it next month. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into leading off. <laughs> And leading off today, we're going to give a focus on the ATC projections. They are out. They've been out for a bit. And if you've been listening to Ariel's podcast, Beat the Shift, which you should be doing, by the way, if you're not, follow it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm sure it's on all standard social media and podcast platforms. You can follow the show, too, on Twitter. If you haven't been doing so, follow Ariel at ATCNY and then follow the show at Beat underscore wait, Beat underscore the underscore shift correct uh no the uh, a beat underscore shift underscore pod ah that's right thank you i should have known that so projections are out uh what has been the initial kind of response to your projections this year has there been an overall feedback of uh, contention or general optimism or has it just been a mixed bag of all kinds of stuff I haven't heard anybody complaining about them. Um, a lot of people have been using the ATC projections for the last couple of years, and I've generally gotten good feedback, and I've gotten a bunch of thank yous so far. Um, I guess the thank yous are from them winning their league the previous year. Um, maybe at the end of this year, if it stinks and they don't do well, they'll probably send me some hate mail. But uh, for right now, I'm, I'm golden because ATC worked out great for the past couple of years, and I hope that it continues, and I'm pretty sure it will. That's beautiful. Uh, projections have always baffled me. I mean, I've played fantasy baseball for over 20 years, so it's not like just because I started getting in this business of analysis publicly doesn't mean I don't know the game, but I never relied on projections much. I always felt that they were a baseline, but I didn't put a lot of stock in them because you can't predict the future. So what is the what is the contrary to that? What is the challenging response to saying, hey, projections do have a place in our business and here's why? I disagree with everything you said there. Um, I'm an actuary. I'm an actuary. I'm paid to predict the future. Now, when you say predict the future, I'm not going to predict that a certain player is going to hit a certain homer. I'm not going to predict that a certain house will blow up, but I'm going to predict that there's going to be X number of some frequency that's going to be over time of losses. I'm going to predict that there's going to be X number of hurricane damage over 100 years. Um, and I'm going to predict that if you play the 2021 season 10,000 times, that Nolan Arenado is going to have 30 homers or whatever it is. Um, and he could have a range. You can have a little bit more sometimes. You can have a little bit less sometimes because of luck, because of process risk. Who knows? So 
Uh, I think that predicting the future is something that has been done. If you, again, it's, it's not a exact prediction. It's a range of predictions. And over time they come to be true. And uh, that's the first thing I do. Projections are the first thing. Um, you know, the machine and the numbers are going to be better than the human in the long run. If you look at a player and you have an, an eye test, you're going to be right sometimes. You're also going to be wrong sometimes. But if you, but the projections are going to be right most of the time, and in the long run, they're going to help steer you far away from errors. So uh, I trust projections, and with ATC. Um, I trust him even more because what I, I don't just make up my own numbers. I gather a bunch of projections from all over and I pick the best projections for the best statistics. There's some home runs. Might, there might be one or two projections that are much better than the rest and they get more weight in my model. And there's some projections that are terrible and, and they don't get any weight. And I'm, for pitcher strikeouts, there could be different projections that have a, a better influence. And so I study the right way to mold them together very similar to what Nate Silver does at, at, at um, 538, where he studies uh, polls from different states, right? Um, some polls work better in New Jersey and some polls work better in North Carolina. And he studied historically how they performed and he grades them and then he averages them a certain way. And that's exactly what I do with the ATC projections. And it really helps me get away from really bad errors. I could be wrong. Sometimes I won't be 100% right. I won't be the best projection on anybody. I won't be the worst projection on anybody, but I'll steer you away from bad errors. So it's a net positive for the fantasy community in the end, regardless of what happens, right? I, I would hope it's a net positive, yes. What about a guy like Nolan Arenado, as you mentioned? He gets traded. Do you go in and change anything, or is it not immediate? No. So um, the one thing about ATC is that there's always going to be a lag because since I rely on other people to project, I wait for that to roll in and they change their park factors and they're going to change their model. And it'll take a week or so uh, or more, depends upon upon how late it is for it to feed into my model. And then you'll see you'll see the numbers tick down. Obviously, we all know going from Colorado anywhere else is going to make it lower. So you're probably going to see maybe even four or five home runs on the expected tick down for Arenado. Oh, wow. Okay, now we're talking. Maybe. I was listening to you on the Beat the Shift with Derek Cardi. And right. that was a great episode, by the way. Thank uh, you. Derek does the Bat and the Bad X. And boy, I was thinking about it for a while after you brought it up. The fact that we don't know where the Blue Jays will still play. And I have a Canadian girlfriend, by the way. Full disclosure. I've not seen now in almost a year because of the border. By the way, did she vote? Did she vote against me in the podcast? Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm not sure. We have to double check with her on that. <laughs> She's not a big baseball fan, so I don't know if, if Rob got everybody. He might have got almost everybody. I don't think they knew what they were voting for. He no. just said, "Please vote against this Ariel guy." They have a lot of uni unity over there. Canadians are just too nice. If somebody says do something, they'll do it. Unfortunately, but. I know that Canada's hardcore on COVID, more hardcore than the U.S. has been. And that's a fact because the Raptors haven't been able to play. They got kicked out. They weren't welcome back because they don't want teams coming back across the border, nor right. is the NHL allowed to do that either. So the Blue Jays will be playing in America somewhere. Now, I know the rumors about Dunedin and last year they played in Buffalo. So I wonder what about that? You're going to wait that out and when that happens from other people's projections on park factors for that to update based on what you just described in the lag. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any reason to, to pick one over the other. That's that's some informational thing. Uh, for now, 
most people are probably picking a park neutral or they're going to assume there's a percentage chance they're in Buffalo, percentage chance they're in Dunedin, um, percentage chance they're back in Toronto. Um, and I'm going with what they have right now. Uh, I don't think it'll make a whale of a difference in the end. Um, I'm not going to suddenly think that uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be uh, you know, jump another round because of it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'll just wait and see what the projections do, and I'll, I'll rely on their ingenuity, which comes through in mine. Well, speaking of Vlad, uh, right now you have him pegged for 26 home runs and an average of 289, which would be a welcome, a welcome addition for me because I'm actually doing an article on rotofanatic.com. By the way, this show is part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network, if I did not mention that, where we're, get, we're fighting over players. We're doing people who were high or low on specific players. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the next one in an article that will be out on Wednesday. I'm taking the high. I believe that it's just going to be a slight adjustment for him. He hits the crap out of the ball. I know the ground balls are an issue and the launch angle comes up over and over again. But to me, he's a maturing player with a ton of talent and that talent will see itself through. And if it's an adjustment here or there that needs to be made, or if it's just a bit of luck, I think it will change. There will be a growth. And I like this projection. I actually think this, this could be conservative, but some people might say this is a, a liberal projection based on other people's opinions of him. Well, uh, the nice thing about ATC and what's new for my projections this year is that I'm including uh, volatility numbers. And what I mean by that is um, interprojection volatility. When you have ATC, which is the average of projections, that means you're taking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, and you're getting some kind of average. But there's also going to be some kind of standard deviation surrounding them. For some players, um, it's the projections are really close together. And everybody thinks almost the same thing. For some projections, they're really far off. You can have somebody really high, really low. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is one of those that have a very high interprojection volatility, meaning there's some projections that have him in the 30s for homers and some have him in the low 20s for homers. They're not all in agreement. So to me, it's a little bit risky. I think I, I like the ATC average that it's looking up. It's looking up, but we don't know where it's going to go. Um, it's very possible that... His upside, his upside is there, but his floor is lower. Um, he, to me, that's a little bit too high to, to really peg him for where he's going in drafts. I want to get a little bit more stability a little, uh, higher up. But you know, again, he's right in the range. I mean, other corner infielders in that range, you're going to have um, maybe Jose Abreu, Pete Alonso, Eugenio Suarez. There's a nice range of corner infielders that are valued very similarly. So I might just be taking whoever is the cheapest from that bunch um, without relying without relying on, oh, I really like Vladimir Guerrero. The trick in fantasy baseball is not to fall in love with anybody. I really need to buy him. He's going to be good. No, I, I don't care. I, I assess players. Projections show me that they're all similar. I'll just take whoever's cheapest so that I can get the biggest profit in the end. Who wouldn't want profit? I, I hear the word profit. Everyone's ears tick up quickly. Oh, what did he say? Wait, wait, what was that? Yes. You want to win? You want to make money? That's what leagues are about. You know, TGFBI, it's about winning. There's no money involved, unless you get involved in a side pod. But other leagues, it's pretty much about money, and the winning is an ancillary secondary to the cash because we want the money. And if you want the money, ATC projections are available now. Check them out on Fangraphs and on uh, CBS Sportsline. Is that correct? Yeah, they're also on Roto Bowler and Roto Champ right now. So uh, all over, widely used. Go for it. Take a look and uh, enjoy. Uh, I tell you what, we've been using them on the show for a Shiner Ride the Pine segment here over the last couple of weeks. Oh. So we appreciate it. It gives us a level and it 
really gives me insight into what people think will happen because, you know, we still don't know. Do you think or do you have doubts at this point about a full season now or are we locked in a 162 at this point? Um, you know, I, your guess is as good as mine. Right. Uh, seem, seem, seems that the uh, union rejected the offer and they have no counter. Uh, and with a short amount of time to go to pitchers and catchers, seems like we're just going to have exactly what we had. No DH in the NL. Who knows? I mean, didn't they institute, you know, even after the season started, the seven inning doubleheaders last year? So <laughs> I, I can't tell you that nothing's in play. Uh, everything's in play. Nothing's in play. Who knows? Um, but seems to be that that's the uh, plurality of where we're going. Yeah, that's what I, I was actually staunch all offseason that we we're going to have a short season. It was going to be delayed and it seemed so clear to me because the owners want to save money. But now now that I know the players actually have a lot of power here, they have to approve anything and they're not going to do it. They're not going to budge. So I think we're in for a full on season and whatever COVID situations roll out from that delays and cancellations and reschedules. That's just that's just what we're going to be at. And if you've watched the NBA season at all, it's been a mess. And I hope it's not as bad as that's been because the Washington Wizards didn't play for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's not something I want to see in baseball, but it's going to be something we're going to have to deal with. And if you want to play fantasy in 2021, you better prepare yourself for it right now. <sighs> okay, that's depressing. Let's move on from that. Let's have some more fun. Let's talk to Ariel in the segment we like to call... Enrico's Inquisition. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh. <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a condo. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, oh Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, like to be silly. like to have a little fun. What can I say? <laughs> it's a show about being silly and having fun. And now it's time to get inside the mind of Ariel Cohen. We're going to talk about, there'll be some baseball things mixed in there. There always is. But you know, I thought we'd uh, start with intro music from ah. the Lone Wolves. <laughs> oh, wow. Cohen. Yeah. That, uh, that's a piece I wrote a number of years ago. And uh, <laughs> I, somewhere in the middle of COVID, I decided to uh, just uh, throw that up on uh, YouTube. And uh, if you like relaxing piano music, there you go. I thought it was really beautiful. I, I listened to the whole thing. This is right up my alley. I love piano, the sound of like classic piano, and it's soothing, it's relaxing, and uh, I, I love it for studying. I think it could be real beneficial too. So kudos to you, man. You are very, very talented, and I'm not just kissing your ass here. I, this is good stuff. So. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. I don't want to put everybody to bed. I mean, it, it's beautiful, but we want to we want to keep the show peppy. This is the fun, upbeat segment. So. First things first, Ariel. Hurricanes or or wait, <laughs> hurricanes or risk management? Would you rather track hurricanes or would you rather be a risk manager? I do both. Um, I, I am a <laughs> I am I am a risk management guy. I, I'm a risk management actuary at, at my company, and uh, I mean hurricanes are a very big part of uh, our portfolio. So I'm risk managing hurricanes. So. Uh, 
I guess I'd say risk management because it includes hurricanes for me. There you go. That is the loophole. Well done. You know, hurricanes are so fun. There's, I mean, they're terrifying and they cause tremendous amount of damage. I don't have to tell you that, but they are interesting. I always found the weather to be fascinating. Are you someone who's always been fascinated by weather? Yeah, when I grew up, my my dream was to be a uh, meteorologist. That's what I told all my friends when I was in seventh grade. Um, you know, I, I do work with hurricanes, so a part of that really uh, uh, does uh, does uh, come through. Uh, I used to work with a company uh, called Impact Forecasting, and they did hurricane models and weather stuff. So I got a lot of uh, good insight and um, somewhat of an amateur meteorologist. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the weather, and uh, it's ingrained in me, I think. I used to work in television news in my uh, younger days. Weather guys. I knew two different weather guys, and they were always wacky. I don't know if you're wacky enough. Are you wacky enough to be a weather guy? You got to wear Hawaiian shirts, and you gotta, you just got to be carefree. Woo-hoo! They're so goofy offset. They always were. And I swear, <laughs> that's just how they were. These were two different people. They didn't, like, go to a meeting or anything like that. They just ended up that way. I thought it was bizarre. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm wacky. Um I, you know, it, it's funny, but the, the personality that I give, uh, you know, obviously you, people who have heard me on my podcast and have seen me on some of these, you know, see me with a distinct personality. And uh, I, I try to to sound smart. That's the personality I'm trying to give. Um, I, I'm a lot funnier at home. Um, I'm, I'm not wacky, though. I'm not wacky, but I consider myself funny. Like I'm, I'm always the life of the party type of guy, uh, pe- making people laugh, saying funny things. I don't do that on, on my shows. I, I've gone the very, very uh, sincere, smart route. And I don't know why I do that. I just find that I do that better when I talk. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, we well, have a lot of energy, though. You I always have a lot energy. of energy. Yeah. Yep. Energy is, energy is important. I mean, uh, to me, like uh, at any job, I, I look for energy. I, I don't want somebody who, who doesn't work hard and who doesn't uh, ambition, uh, doesn't have ambition. I mean, energy is very, very key to everything in life. You hear that out there, those of you that are applying. Uh, get get it up. Get up for your interviews. Don't be shy. You got to show you that you could be assertive, too, because people want people that will be not aggressive, but assertive. There's a key distinction there, I think. And, yeah. you know, Ariel, on your shows, yes, you're smart and the knowledge speaks for itself, but you can tell, I mean, with the energy and the comedy, there's something brewing there. You have a personality. So whether you choose to express it or not, you just save it for your own private life. I I totally respect that, too, in the end, because we don't want to give away everything about ourselves. It'd be nice to have something that we can just have for our own, for our own families and our own private lives. Yeah, I totally understand. David Wright or Pete Alonzo? Um, well, I mean... David Wright is uh, almost the same age as me. I'm eight days older than him. I, um, I play. I grew up playing third base in my softball league, and I live in New York, so I got to go with the third baseman from New York. I'll go with David Wright. There it is. I thought that you know you're a Mets fan, right? That's it's in the background here, right? Of course. <laughs> so David Wright, to me, at least the people I knew in this era of my age, I'm 40, so you know. In the 2000s, David Wright was like Mr. Met to everybody I knew. I even saw him play at Shea in uh, the last year at Shea Stadium. Was that 2008, I think? And yes. that was that was a really cool experience. I was glad I got to do that. In fact, when I was at the game, I went to get, I went to go buy a Mets like windbreaker or jacket in the sixth inning. They were playing the Phillies, and I missed back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back home runs. I, I was at that game, I believe. 
I was really? at that game, and Dave, yeah, and David Wright. Um, it wasn't a home run at first. He thought he got a double, and they had to check it. And then the umpire was like, "No, it went over." And then he got it. So it was <laughs> exciting. I was at that game. Yeah, back to back to back over. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I never lived to die. I came back to my seats and my friends were like, dude, you're an idiot. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I blew it. I'm the guy who came all the way from Michigan to go to Shea Stadium and then missed back to back to back. So yeah. it happened. And they, and they actually lost that game. I believe they went up 3 2. The Phillies tied it in the ninth and the Mets blew it in, in the in extra innings, I think. Yeah. Um, I, God, I think that is absolutely right. Wow. I bet we could look it up game. too on baseball reference. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, somebody could right. do that on their own time. There you go. Very cool. Um, tennis or softball then? Because I know you like both. Yeah, I do play both. Uh, it's softball in the spring, summer. It's tennis in the fall, winter. Um, softball is hands down. Um, I, I've been playing it uh, since I've been in high school. Um, I'm now in a in, in a recreational league. I play with my office, play with my friends here. Uh, I've been running my softball league for 20 years. I'm actually the commissioner as well. Um, to me, I, I live for softball. Um, and in my later years, I'm now starting to pitch. So um, I command the ship here. Uh, it, to me, it's it's softball hands down. Uh, I will say though that tennis sometimes is better exercise, um, so I don't. Uh, I I'll still play it over the summer once in a while, but uh, I li- I live for softball. I play in as many leagues as I can. Pitching in softball is a natural progression for when you get up in years. Then, but you can do that until you're 80 years old almost. God, I, God help me. I I really wish I I do. I I grew up as a shortstop. I was a shortstop all the years. Um, I hurt my ankles, uh, so speed, and I gained some weight. Speed dwindled for me, so I moved over. I still had a good arm, so I moved over to third for a good decade, let's say. That's intense softball. Um, that is a short, short porch. <laughs> fine by me. I, I don't care about that. Uh, it's fine. Oh. But just my running range just precluded uh, Not that I couldn't play softball, but we had better, younger guys who could play there. And I have a short thing at third base. And, you know, lately, um, maybe I missed a couple balls here, and uh, our pitcher got hurt. And I filled in, and uh, I pitched a couple of a uh, couple of gems here and there. Um, I don't get a lot of strikeouts. Um, I'm a pitch to contact pitcher. I've developed a couple of really good uh, slow changeup, screwball type action. Um, you know, watching a lot of the, the women's softball, you show, looking at their grips and, and how they show. Lisa Fernandez, uh, what a great pitcher! I've copied her her screwball, her her her, her changeup. It just baffles you and makes people freeze or, or I get people to pop up. Uh, so I, I love the art of pitching. Wow. I didn't. I know some guys that would try to put some spin on it, but that's next level that you clearly are a pro. You guys play in like big time tournaments and stuff too, or just your leagues? I, I mean, I run my own independent league, which is in uh, Queens and Nassau County. Um, I don't know if I'd call it big time. Uh, and we've had a range. We've had uh, A type leagues. We've had B type leagues. I've run both. Um, you know, nothing, nothing fancy. It's it's just something that I can play in, and it's at my level. And I'm definitely not one of the better players uh, anymore. Um, but I certainly hold my own in, in in pitching. I'm I'm not one of the worst. Maybe I'm not the best. I don't throw that fast. But uh, hey, I, I took my my team. We won a championship in 2019 with me as the pitcher. So how bad can we be? Woo! All right, that's what I'm talking about right there. I miss the camaraderie of softball. I really do. It's fun. You get to, it's not just playing the game. You get to connect with your teammates and it's an yeah. experience. There's a real 
there's a real bond of it. It's fun. And, yeah, uh, and, we, and I play in multiple leagues, and a lot of the players are the same. So I see them Sunday morning. I see them Tuesday night, Wednesday night. A lot of them even play tennis with me. So uh, it's the nice thing. And uh, it, it held up pretty much through COVID. Uh, we missed the first couple of months. We started up in June, so we missed our spring season. But once summer started, it really went almost back to normal. Sure, there was some masks, and sure, we didn't share bats and whatnot. But it, it felt like we were back together, and, and it felt really normal. And for me, softball is such a big part of my life. Um, to me, and this may sound funny, softball, if you ask me softball versus fantasy, um, I would pick softball. Uh, I, that I have a hard time giving up. I, I can take a break from fantasy and you know whatnot, but, but playing the game is, is just uh, the best part of my week uh, in terms of recreation. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, uh, SNL of the 80s or SNL of the 90s? Neither. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not a big SNL fan. I'll. I'll. I'll oh. tune in. I'll tune in these days to uh, when when you get every four years when you get to the election and they they do the uh, the cold opens of the uh, debates, which are hilarious. Um, but um, you know, I, I'm gonna say if I had to pick, I'll say 80s because I think it just got progressively worse. Um, but uh, I, I'm not I haven't watched it years myself. So. I, you're right. I just check in on like YouTube clips at this point. I can't remember the last time I sat down at 11:30 on a Saturday night and watched yeah, Saturday Night Live. Done. I, I'm not interested. Cats or Phantom of the Opera? Uh, I saw I saw Cats uh, at the movie theater uh, two or three years ago, uh, Christmas Day. It was the worst movie I ever saw in my life. Um, it was really bad. It was so bad that like James Corden, who is uh, who is uh, in in the movie said he didn't go to watch it, and they asked him why because he said the movie stunk. Um, <laughs> Cats is a terrible show. There's no plot, there's no storyline, and there's literally one one song, and there's just one moment in the touch me, right? There's like one part in the song that's really uh, fantastic. So, um, I'm not a huge lover of Phantom of the Opera, but Cats is so awful. I'll go with Phantom. That's just def- by default then. That's fine. Uh, pen or Teller? Um, wow, interesting. I'm I'm a big magic fan. My my grandfather was a magician, believe it or not. He was. Um, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, nothing famous. He just you know mostly around the block. Uh, uh, him and his his cousin was a, was a legitimately a, a cruise entertainer. He would he would do comedy and and magic on cruises. So uh, um, you know it's, it, I come from a line of entertainment, I guess you'd say. Um, yes, yeah, but, um, that's where the energy comes from. Yeah, the answer to that is Teller. I mean, Teller is the one who uh, knows how to communicate without actually talking, um, and uh, he's, he's just uh, he's just fantastic. T- uh, Penn is good too. Penn is a great entertainer. Uh, Teller is a better magician. Uh, for my honeymoon, I, I went out to Vegas and we saw Penn and Teller, and I, I gave uh, the usher a twenty to get me in the first row, and uh, that was a great night. Wait, that works? You can give someone a twenty and they'll get you in the front row? Uh, officially, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. It works. It works. Wow. I've always yeah. seen it in movies. I've never done it myself. Wow, that's yeah. cool. And you know, did you watch their show on Showtime, uh bullshit, I think it was, where they like always tried to debunk or give theories and or they would take a premise and kind of just dive into it and investigate it. I've seen a number of their episodes. Uh, I think they do a very good job. Um, yes. they, they, yeah, they're funny. They uh, they make good points. I don't agree with everything they say, but the points I agree with, I think they do a really good job of, of putting it together. And I've seen maybe, I'd say every single um, Fool Us episode, I've seen every one of them. 
Um, the thing is that I, I know a little bit about magic, so when I watch a pen and teller do their own thing, I know how most of the tricks are done, anyways. Um, it, it, it's I, I will say if you if you do not do not find out how a lot of tricks are done, you lose a lot of the uh, of the brilliance of it. Once you know how it's done, and you go to a magic show, you know I, I'm already looking. All right, when are they making the switch? When are they, you know, so I, it's going in my mind. Uh, just sit back and watch a performance is the best way to do it. I find that to be true as well. And that show was legit. I, it's still on Showtime if anybody has a, a streaming version yeah, yeah. of Showtime. You can watch the old bullshit episodes and they bring up interesting points. And yes, I did not agree yeah. with them all, but it's still, they're smart and they're funny and that's a good combo. I like smart right. and funny. Uh, piano or guitar? I play both. Um, I I prefer piano to guitar, um, probably because I had more practice on one or the other. Um, I'm more of a uh, rhythm guitar guy than a solo kind of guitar guy. Um, for the orchestra in high school, I played guitar. Uh, but uh, no, I, I like piano. It's, that's my main instrument, and uh, it's got eighty-eight keys, not just six. Uh, so um, I can it can bang harder. I like to get emotion out and bang, and um, so piano by far. I think I might agree with that. I, I play acoustic guitar too, and I but I never learned piano when I was younger. But I can, I know I can hear the notes and dabble around. So I. I yeah, do love, I don't have a, piano. You can go all over the place, like you said. I like that. Yeah, I, I have relative pitch. If you give me a note, and I can hear another note and tell you what it is. Uh, sometimes I have per- perfect pitch. I, I can't. I can't always. But there's certain notes like B. I can tell you that's a B. Uh, you know, it just. Uh, you know, I, some things work. Sometimes, you know. Do re mi Egon. <laughs> that's yeah. a good. Uh, and uh, two more questions. We'll wrap this up. Curveballs or sliders? Curveballs. Man, we are on a curveball run right now. I think that's like four in a row. Is there a curveball you love more than anybody else's out there it's that you love watching the gifts of or just anytime, any place? Give me a curveball. I think Luis Castillo has a nice curve. But if I have to pick best curves of all time, I, I love Doc Gooden's curve, a Mets fan and just uh, unbelievable. Just uh, 12 to 6, right straight down. Uh, Adam Wainwright has that also. Um, curveball by by a mile doc gooden would have been a hall of famer if he had stayed healthy right uh if he didn't get in trouble with uh with drugs and whatnot um, that's what i mean by healthy yeah so number 16 i it's he he, he's phenomenal i mean uh rookie of the year his first year saw young the next year world series the next year that's the way to play the game right and he was a flamethrower in a period of time when there's not a lot of flamethrowers, right? And his, and, but his better pitchers was his off-speed to, to put people away. It's, it's, it's incredible. Just uh, um, He was such a dominant pitcher, and he gets lost. I don't know why. Uh, Gooden was just uh, absolutely amazing. And the Mets had great pitching that whole decade. And finally, of course, for love or money? Um, I mean, love for sure. Um, love is not a guarantee in life. If you get it, you are so lucky. Uh, money, I feel like you can work harder and make more of it. It's more correlated with the effort, uh, and love is more less correlated. There's more luck involved. So I would take the luck-driven one, and you can acquire money if you need it after, or you may not want to. You know, I think everybody wants to have. Lo- I don't. I don't hear anybody saying I don't want more more love. Love is just a human thing that you always want more of. Money, I mean, you know, somebody asked me, uh, Ari, would you like to li- win the lottery and win $50 million? No, I would not. I would not like a check for $50 million because that changes your life and your lifestyle. Uh, 
I'll take like a check for 900,000 because that'll pay off my mortgage and, you know, let me, uh, you know, go easy the next couple of years. But um, no, I, I don't need a lot of money to be happy. Um, you love makes you happy or helps that way. Was that, was that the right answer, by the way? Was that, was that the right answer? There are no right answers. So you'll just have to live with giving a very, very solid and definitive and genuine answer, which is what we always want in the end. And that probably ranks up there with Michael Richards' answer from last week, who gave us a very beautiful little uh, soliloquy, if you will, on love and the importance and rarity of it, the scarcity of it in this world. So that was good. That was very good. I think it ranks up there in the top three for sure, Ariel. Well done. All right. You're listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. That is two L's and two Z's. Palazzo Podcast, ProtonMail.com. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. That's right. You're listening to Ariel Cohen. He's from the Beat the Shift pod. And, of course, ATC Projections, which you can be looking at right now and starting to incorporate into your overall fantasy prep as we are on the brink here. This is almost the meat of the drafting and fantasy baseball prep season as we go into what looks like a full 162 games. Very excited about that. Don't forget, we're part of the Road Fanatic Podcast Network, roadfanatic.com, home of the Data Monster. Ariel, have you checked out the Data Monster at all? No, what is that? <laughs> exactly. We, we got to do a better job promoting. I feel like uh, we're going to improve our promotional skills here in the next month, but it is a tool created by Mainly Paul Mamino, uh, who's a very sharp Jersey guy. Yeah. And uh, he basically has given us the tools and his own data and incorporated it all in together so we can compare hitters, pitchers with our own, some of our own data tools that I, I won't describe here because there's like a bunch of them. And there's also prospects that you can compare for their outcomes. And uh, we have historical data connected to that. And we find a, it will be useful. And we're hoping that eventually it'll become part of the rotation. If only we could ever be so lucky someday to be mentioned in the same breath as uh, ATC projections or <laughs> we're not projections. We are working on projections for a uh, Crosby Spencer is our uh, expected yep. stats projection dude. And he is going to be revealing those very soon. And we'll hopefully we can incorporate that into the data monster and that'll really give us the balance we need. So at this time, we're just going to keep promoting it and fine tuning it. It's a work in progress. We just revealed it. Uh, boy, it's only been about six weeks. So we're hoping for the best with it, but you know, Time will tell. And as 2021 gets going, hopefully people will check in to Road Fanatic. We appreciate your support. And that is that segment of the show. Now it's time to get in the fantasy breakdown here. We're going to do a little bit ADP chatter here. Zach Morris. Nope, wrong button. Sometimes I press the wrong button. That happens. Oh, yeah. Zach Morris. You, you know uh, you know who died yesterday? Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin. Screech. Unbelievable. 44 years old. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, I watched that show every single day in the morning and at night when when I was in, I guess, high school and then elementary school. I don't know. I can't remember when. But uh, that was that was a staple. How old are you? I am 38. Oh, we're the yeah, we're the same age, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. Like middle school. Late. Yeah. Something like that. I yeah. mean, uh, that was that was some. Yeah. I, I, I've seen every episode at least a number of times. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But uh, that's so sad. I mean, I, I know that the cast members were getting a little bit distant from from Dustin Diamond in, in real life. Um, and apparently he got a very, very quick case of cancer, like just, was just four weeks and just very serious for four weeks. And he had some treatments and just went just went terrible. So uh, he did not suffer, I was told. 
but uh, I, I wish the best to uh, Dustin Diamond's family, and uh, thank you for uh, an iconic role that he played back in the 80s, 90s. I've also seen every episode multiple times when Kelly and Zach break up. That was a that was a heartbreaker. Which episode? They the, uh, they, they break yeah. up a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right, they do. But the first yeah. time when that guy Jeff shows up. Oh like, yes. Yeah. yeah, and she falls for Jeff, and she doesn't know her feelings for for Zach. I mean, come on, you know what are you gonna do? And what what happened? That uh, the interesting thing was they graduated, and then they're back in the school with seniors, and <laughs> they got rid of Kelly, and this girl Tori comes. Like what? It made no sense, right? Yeah, of course it doesn't. If more that you look at it and start to break it down when you're an adult, you're like, this is stupid. This is really yeah. just. And have you ever seen the uh, the show online? Uh, Zach Morris is trash. You ever see that? Well, that's funny you mention that because that's where this came from right here. Zach Morris is trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love great job. Love he really is an awful person. I mean, <laughs> he's terrible. Uh, and, and we just take it as, yeah, he's just a scheming guy. But he's he's a lousy person. <laughs> Zach Morris. What a character. I mean, there's, you know, it's funny, but there's a, a lot of shows where there's nobody who's just a wholesome person. Look at Seinfeld. The whole yeah. thing is that they're just selfish, bunch of selfish people only looking out for themselves. They can't even help a robbery with a fat guy over there. And, it's always and get locked up the same premise. Yeah, those people are awful people running a bar. Yeah, and they, there's no value. And that's what Kirby enthusiasm is. Larry is just he's playing this guy who's a dick or he's just like a really yeah. annoying guy to get along with. And it leads to comedy, though. Someone else's pain is our laughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about Curb, though, is that um, most of what larry complains about at least at least the first six seasons let's say i actually agree with him like he's usually he's usually in the right he's usually in the right but of course it's his way of interacting of so um hmm, you didn't and you have a stare do 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 do, you know but he's usually right i usually agree like uh, of course you shouldn't do that you should respect wood you know what of course you shouldn't put your thing on he has to shoot him yeah, yeah. yeah. The pants the thing with the pants where they're just like sticking out, and the girl thinks yeah. that that's not his that fault. Was, the pants. That was the first episode. I mean, is it is it does it show a bad character if I think that Larry David is usually correct on his show? I, I don't think so. I think a lot of people agree with a lot of things he does, and I think everyone else around him might be crazy. Actually, now that you say that, I think I've rethought everything. Cheryl, maybe she was too strict. She was so uptight all the time. What was the you know? Relax, live life. Yeah. yeah, the later shows though he becomes a very crummy person. <laughs> the last two seasons he's just yeah. like, eh, he's just a jerk. But the first six seasons, I, I, he, a lot of situations that weren't his fault, a lot of things. But I agreed with most of his points. Um, it, it just a great show. It's a funny show. I still laugh even though, um, you know, I've, I've Seinfeld and Kirby Enthusiasm. I, I've seen each of them numbers of times, but I still crack up when watching them. Just fantastic comedy. I know it never gets old. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I'm so glad you knew Zach Morris is trash. I, I found that uh, about a year and a half ago and I watched all of them and they were just so funny because it's so true. <laughs> they always end the episode. This guy says Zach Morris is trash. And then this guy does his thing where he says Zach Morris is trash. And it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> okay. I'm glad. I'm sorry. Screech uh, has passed on. Uh, rest yeah. in power. Dustin Diamond. 44 is way too young, but uh, we're going to keep on laughing. And I know that's what he would want for us to enjoy ourselves. So having said that, let's do the ADP conundrums. ADP is Kyle Tucker, top 30. Should I pitch out with Mondo C? Max Muncy, 
Monsters of Track, Ryan Presley. Ah, yes, the never-ending ADP conundrums. They come at you in waves, and we're focusing, of course, on NFBC data since January 1, because that's where the big-time players play, and they probably know more or at least as much as anybody else can possibly know. So I trust in their ADP. First one is Keston Hira, Brandon Lau, or Kevin Biggio, or a fourth option. Between these three, Ariel, is there one that you prefer in this cluster, or is there an alternate version you would rather wait on? Uh, it is up to you. Um, you know, I, I the thing about these ADP conundrums, I, I, you know, most people, or I guess the assumption is you're going based on ranks and who do you have ranked higher and whatnot. I, I don't really care about ranks. Uh, to me, uh, I generate auction dollars and I generate values for each player to see how far apart these guys are. I mean, well, the three of them are within two, three dollars of each other by my value. So it doesn't really matter um, in, in totality. Right. I mean, to me, it's whoever's cheapest, if you think about it. And from that standpoint, Kevin Biggio is going really, really high. Uh, Brandon Lowe and Kevin Hira are going a little bit closer to each other. I prefer he uh, Hira to, to these three. I think Hiura has some properties about him. He is more five-category type player than anybody else there. Biggio will have the power-speed combo, sure, but his batting average, not so good. If you're in OBP league, the answer is Biggio for sure. Um, but in a standard five-by-five five league, I'm going to go Hiura because I think he's cheaper, and I think he's got more stability. And it's high enough in the draft that I want somebody who's going to give me more categories than not. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Lau, I think is the X factor here because I think he's still the biggest unknown. We haven't had a full season of, from him. You know, he's been up three times. He came up in 2018, 43 games, 2019, 82 games. And then of course, last year, uh short season, of course, uh, yeah, this is our short season alarm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause he was, six <laughs> and he was the best, he was the best player of the three last year. So, Correct. um, and, uh, yeah, uh, walk right. Never know. I like him more in OBP leagues. You say Biggio is the clear choice there, but I think Lau is just as equal to the task with the walk rate and getting on base percentage. And I think, I think the OBP could go up in a full season if that walk rate could be sustained. Now that's the big question mark. Do you trust the raise for anything? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I running into this, I keep running into this rate. People are really anti fantasy rays like the rays are a great team in real life but when it comes to fantasy it seems like people that i interview are like just you don't i mean the, the thing is that you know I, I want more certainty and i don't know they, they, they're gonna platoon guys if they can if they, well, if they have to do is uh, some guy has a bad a left hand is a bad week against lefties and you won't see that that guy on the rays batting against lefties anymore in the season i mean uh g-mon Choi was a lefty bat they had him bat righty like they do crazy things. They they imported Travis Darno and played him at first base and put him in the cleanup spot. Like there's just so many things. I was talking. I I mentioned some of these things on the CBS Fantasy uh, Baseball Today podcast. Um, you know, they, Peter Fairbanks didn't pitch. He didn't close really in the regular season, and he's now the closer in in the World Series. So I just don't trust the Rays. And part of what you need in fantasy is playing time guarantees. And most of a player's value is not just the rates. It's 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 not just what they do per at bat. It's getting the at bats. I'm not fully confident in the Rays. So to me, in a lot of ways, um, if there's a question mark, if there's a tiebreaker, and to me, it's a tiebreaker between these three, I would use that as a tiebreaker to say knock them down a little bit. 
but there are exceptions to the rules, right? And 56 games out of 60, I know, short sample, 2020, it's the bozo goofy season, but that's he got the majority of the playing time last year. Yep. Out of yeah. almost any other player, he was the one that was in the lineup almost daily. So that is promising. But again, it's not a guarantee. And if you're looking for Hira to play every day, that seems more likely, correct? Um, all things being equal, yeah. Um, again, I like Pierre in terms of his uh, makeup. Uh, again, you know, if if it depends who you've gotten. If 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 you've gotten a couple of guys in the first, second round that uh, Biggio might compliment if you have a good batting average base, um, and and he might fit you better. You know, it, it it's not just about who's better; it's about what you need at the right time and when. So right. it, it's hard. It's hard for me. Well, that's why this segment is flawed, too, because we're just giving you three players. You don't know who's already been drafted on your team. All these things are important, and they should yeah, be. I mean, a- ADP is not really about who you should take. ADP is more about, you know, when they're available, you know, or the, the range of when they're available. Um, but it doesn't really tell you who you should take. So it's it's it, it's sort of apples and oranges in a certain way, or maybe it's uh, oranges and lemons, if that makes better <laughs> comparison. Oh, that's good. And you're right. The the Rays bench actually has a lot of players that could play a lot. Yandy Diaz, Mike Brasso, Yoshi Tutsugo. These are all players that are going to be in the mix. They're not typical bench players to me. I like all three of them, and I wish they – I actually would like to see Tutsugo play a lot more in 2021. So, yeah, you, you, might, you might be onto something there, and I'm, I'm probably getting a little too caught up in what I saw in 2020, which is where – I just start to really struggle, Ariel, because 2020 is a rare season. And I, like I told you, I've played fantasy for 20 years, but uh, analyzing it for the public, I've come along at a weird time. And it makes me confused. It really does. I admit that. Yeah. No, you're not the only one. Well, that's good. At least I'm not alone. Uh, all right. How about this one? Jesus Aguiar. Uh, not Brandon, but Nate Lowe, who was traded from the Rays to the Rangers now, or Andrew Vaughn. They're all in the same range in the uh, 350s, I believe. Is there one of these three that you like, or would you rather take a first baseman even later or another first baseman somewhere else? So Andrew Vaughn, um, is he going to get the playing time? That I have the most questions about at all. Everybody will. I don't I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I mean, um, I can look up the ATC projections for him, but I don't think it's a fantastic playing time for his. Uh, I have uh, less than 300 at bats for him. So um, I compute him to an auction value of negative $14, where people are paying two, three dollars at auctions for. Um, I have no interest in, in that. Uh, ATC in general is a bit more negative on prospects, and it doesn't really see a huge reason for him to come up. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time uh, um, picking them against more steady playing time. I don't like any of these guys, but I think Aguiar is probably the better of, of the three. By the way, Andrew Vaughn was born a month before Seinfeld's final episode went on the air in May. <laughs> April. Wow. There you oh, go. Wow. 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 Unbelievable. Yeah. These young guys. I, I remember I remember when uh, the first player in the major leagues came that was younger than me it was Jose Reyes. And Jose Reyes came up, and he was maybe 19 years old with the Mets. And I looked at him like, "Oh my God, that guy is uh, that guy is younger than me." He came up a little bit before David Wright. David Wright is also younger than me, um, so uh, I remember those days. And now I'm older than most people in in the major leagues. Not too many guys older than me, so it's it's kind of crazy, right? Hey, this kind of crazy. I agree. 
I do think Nate Lowe is a lot of fun, though, and I would actually take him of the three of these. I think the playing time is fairly locked in, even though Aguiar has Garrett Cooper, who breathes down his neck, and I think Cooper's actually a pretty good bat, so he's no slouch. And again, massive inconsistency from Jesus Aguiar in his career. He has this all-star year a couple of years ago, yeah. and then he falls apart, and then he's left for dead, and even the Rays couldn't do anything with him, and now he has a decent brief campaign in 2020, but anybody could have a oh. nice stretch. So. So the Rays, who are really smart, they trade away Nate Lowe. I usually I like players that they 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 get because they're smart. So you know, um, I, I don't it doesn't scream at me. Oh, I gotta get this guy. He he left the Rays. You know, he's homegrown too. He, he I think you know he was drafted by the Rays, brought up by the Rays. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the the answer is uh, the answer is Aguiar for this one. Okay, fair enough. That's it. Just a couple of ADP conundrums. They're over. Well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't change that as an ATC drop. It's so close oh, you know, for, for the show. Sure. You're right. <laughs> you have See, this is why this is why collaboration is healthy, and you need other people's input. If you're creating on your own, you just don't get as much input from other people. Two brains are truly better than one because that would have been perfect. You're right. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and now everyone knows it. It's true. I blew it. I I made a mistake, but life goes. Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking to Ariel Cohn, and you can follow him on Twitter, ATCNY on Twitter. And, of course, he's the host of Beat the Shift, which I got to say is an above-average podcast because Ariel knows his stuff. And even if he doesn't think he's as funny as he can be on his own show, he's <laughs> wicked smart and intelligent, and he brings you a lot of great guests. Todd Zola, Derek Cardi. I mean, these are big-time players. I've, these people are some of the best of the best, and the they know what they're talking about. So you get guests that are first rate. And that's what we try to do in this podcast by having you on in the same fashion. So we appreciate you being here, Ariel. Now it is time for us to talk about some, you know, new faces in new places. And uh, this is a new segment. We haven't really tried this one yet, so I'm not sure how it'll go. But, you know, this is what doing a show and taking chances is about. You spread your wings and fly and whatever happens, happens. So, Ariel, we're trying to look at some players that will maybe have... <sighs> a good or a bad outcome in their new park, wherever they're playing this year in 2021, they're in a new place. It wasn't where they were last year. So is there anybody that comes to mind for you that you are thinking, you know, this could be bad news for them or it could be a benefit. Um, Yeah. You know, maybe take a stab at a guy like Alex Wood, um, right. you know, uh, going to the giants, you know, Kevin Galsman uh, went there and had, decent results um this is not somebody that's fantastic for fantasy but if you're in maybe a best ball or you're in a big draft and hold uh maybe take a gamble on him on the upside that you know he pitches now in a good park and maybe the giants do something for him i'll go with that um i also like andrelton simmons i think he's an undervalued player the twins seem to like these batting average players they got luis arias who is the highest projected batting average by atc alex krilloff should be good um I like these batting average or the twins like these batting average guys and Simmons fits in so much. He's going to help the defense on the twins who have a bunch of ground ball artists. So I, I like his effect on the new, uh, in the new ballpark. Right now, uh, since Jan one, uh, NFBC ADP of four seventy two for Indrelton, but 
the minimum now is up to 230. So clearly, since he signed with the Twins, somebody's been more interested in him. Generally known as a defensive stalwart, no doubt about it. But that is a great lineup still. Even without Nelson Cruz, does that bother you? Do you think the Twins lineup... I mean, it's a, it's a loss losing a Nelson Cruz. If he doesn't come back to the lineup, that is clearly very difficult to replace. But do you think with Kirilov and other players, they can fill the gap? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they let go Eddie Rosario. I don't know why they did that. Uh, but uh, no, they, they can. I mean, look, uh, right now, uh, we're going to play uh, Jorge Polanco. Um, you know, there's, there's enough people and enough talent there that you almost need to find that bat. So uh, obviously the lineup's better with Cruz, but if not, I think it's still a steady, solid lineup. Yeah, there was always a component to Andrelton Simmons' game that people thought could be offensive and useful. I think there's a lot of runs to be scored here, depending where he hits in the lineup. But even in the bottom of the lineup, this is a lineup that can make things happen. And speaking of the Ed Rosario point, I think it's even worse that he goes in division two. He goes to Cleveland, and now you got to face the guy the times a year. Um, I think it's better for him that he's in the same division because he's more used to the pitchers in the division. And right. usually the advantage goes to the battery after a certain point in time. So I, I, I like the move for Rosario, who to me is extremely undervalued in fantasy baseball. I, I still don't know why his fantasy value has increased every single year for the last four years in, in batting average leagues. OBP is not as good, but I, I still don't know why. And uh, it's he's going to be in a good spot. He's going to bat in the heart of the lineup and get in a decent ballpark. Uh, Eddie Rosario, good good player. I, I still don't know why the twin. I mean, I know why, but they should, probably should not have let him go. Yeah, uh, the money thing, I guess. I mean, but it wasn't even that he wasn't even that expensive. I mean, was it? He ended up signing eight million dollar deal, I believe, seven eight million. Yeah, I mean, they, they believe in they believe in Krilov. I, I I had uh, Randy Dobnak of the Twins come on my show, and oh. uh, yeah, and and he they, he basically told us that you know Krilov is 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 fantastic. He he likes Luis Arias. He thinks these are good players. So I think the Twins believe in their in their young guys, um, which is why they didn't need to set need to spend the extra eight million. I mean, it's almost like a raise move where you know, sure he's worth it for the value, but <laughs> I've got somebody to replace him for cheaper, right? So it, it's it's not whether he's valuable for the price. It's whether I can do better for the price. And that's sort of the mentality. And the Twins have been more analytical than most organizations following the, in the Rays' footsteps. And I can't say that they're steering people wrong. So, yep. And no argument here. Uh, one of my guys is Blake Snell. You've heard it on the show before. If you've listened to the Hey, It's Rico Plazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Blake Snell in San Diego. Even Alex Chamberlain gave me some positive feedback that he believes this could be a benefit for Snell's career. And he likes him in 2021, which really warmed my heart because Alex is a smart, smart dude. I believe that the ground ball percentage will remain. He'll keep the ball in the park. Petco's a really solid place to pitch. Everybody will automatically go to what about the third time through the order? Okay. This is the crux of the conversation. If you ask me when you're talking Blake Snell, but I believe there won't be a DH in the NL this year, and I think that will be a benefit, and I think that will get Snell the opportunity to face more pitchers, which is a benefit. That is a benefit to him. If that's one more inning, if I can get six innings instead of five from him that are, that are still real first rate, then I'm happy with that, and I'm, that's the risk I'm taking, and I believe in. 
Yeah, no, Snell, I think, is an undervalued player. I mean, we're talking about regression back to where he was. He he was a Cy Young Award winner. A lot of his components, if you look at the underlying stuff, has stayed the same, run into some bad luck, some injuries, right? Um, and now he goes to a good ballpark, good team. He'll win some games. They'll probably let him – they will let him pitch longer than the Rays did. And he did not last more than five innings in any start, which is uh, which is somewhat odd, right? I, 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 I understand – look, you know – the Rays did it, and it worked. So I can't say that they I can't say it was wrong. And you know, I remember in, in the World Series, people, why you're not letting him in? I know the Rays do this, but this, but you know, you have you have a script, and the script says do this, do this, do this. You'll get it right, and it's worked 99 times out of 100 so far. It's hard to veer away from that, and you play the percentages, and you say, well, you know. That, that's what it is. Yeah, should they have put a different pitcher in instead of him? That you can make the case for. But taking a man, that's this. There's a script. I can't. I can't say that they did it wrong. Uh, but uh, the Padres don't have such a script. Uh, so if he's not going to go down in innings, so you can only get a nice bump. So I, I, I like that. I like his change there. Yay! I can have Alex and Ariel on my side. I'm feeling pretty damn good. All right. There- <laughs> That's fun. That was a little segment we tried. We'll try maybe another time. Maybe we'll never do it again. Who knows? We're always taking chances on the show, and that's why you listen, because you want to find out what you need to know. And we give you the best of the best, and that's why we're joined by Ariel Cohen. He's as good as it gets. I mean, he is the 2019 Fantasy Writer of the Year. I mean, that's really cool. What did you think of when you won that award? Did that blow your mind? Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you, the, the year before I, I was nominated for Best Article and, and Best uh, and also Writer of the Year, and uh, I didn't ha- I hadn't written a bu- uh, that much. I, I wasn't, you know, being paid to write or anything, and um, it all started, I just, I sent a, you know, Saris asked me a question, and I, instead of just giving a two-line answer, I, I put some charts in, and I showed some stuff, and he's like, yeah, let's publish this. And so, I don't know, I threw in another article, and I threw in an art- another article, man, I had five articles that year, and I'm just driving, and all of a sudden my phone is going haywire. I pull over. What the heck's going on? And you're nominated for Writer of the Year. So uh, that day I was completely uh, – that was incredible. I, I I was so surprised, so startled, had no idea. Um, and, and it was fantastic the following year. I mean, I, I obviously since I was nominated, I, I knew I could be again. Uh, but I would never think that I would beat out a number of people, including Alex. I beat out Alex last year. Um, so it, it was just incredible. Um I still really can't believe it, and I'm so fortunate and I was nominated for another one the, this year. Um, it's it, 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 incredible. Um, I I can't believe it. I I was never a good writer as a kid. I mean, I, not that I did badly in English class, but I was a math guy. You know, here's the numbers. Uh, but uh, to me, I, I impress myself that I have decent writing skills. I think that's a pretty inspiring story, actually. Wow, very cool. See, if you're out there and you want to take a chance, look. You never know where it'll take you, but you got to do it, right, Ariel? You got to try, right? Well, you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, which is uh, a great expression. I think that was my high school yearbook quote. Uh, <laughs> so uh, no, it wasn't, but uh, it's a it's a great expression. And yeah, I mean, you know, you never you can't get anywhere if you don't do it and if you don't try. So uh, you know, do do what you think nobody else has been doing and do it as good as you can and uh, find your talent in life and and go for it and you'll get somewhere. Do or do not. There is no try. That's true. All right. As far as Ariel's Fantasy Foundation, we're going to ask him a few questions. Is there one thing you do when you first sit down for your beginning of the year draft prep, like the first thing you do? 
Well, the first thing I do starts with the ATC pro- pro- projections, and I run uh, all the historical regressions. So again, ATC gathers from different projection systems, and the question is how to weight them. And to do that, I use some mathematical regressions to help me, and it takes a long while to set that up. Maybe it takes about eight to ten days, uh, and I run them all. So that's my first thing, which happens sometime in, in mid-December. And then, of course, I start running the ATC projections in January. That's the first thing I do is generate my projections. Um, I don't go straight to deep dives of players. I don't look at that. Um, I first let ATC bubble up to the top. When I compare it to market, what are the potential bargains? Oh, wow, ATC is higher than this guy. Then I'll look into that player and say, why do I agree with that? And that's what we do on our Beat the Shift podcast, right? We Here's all the players that ATC thinks could be better than the market, could be a bargain. Now let's decide if we like them. Sometimes we say yes, and sometimes we say no. Um, and then, of course, I'll expand to other players and say, okay, he's going around this price. This guy's going around this price. Who do you like better? Who, who should we get? Should we? Are we indifferent to these? You know, and you work your way there. Uh, so that, that's what I do to start my prep. And um, you know, listening to other podcasts just for some tidbits of information, reading articles um, to stimulate the mind and to find out about players, that's another great way that you can uh, keep up there and uh, really push yourself to being one of the better players in your league. Beautiful. I respect that. You have such an advantage because you can create that system. I mean, why did you first do it? Do you remember there being a impetus to be like, hey, there needs, there's a gap here. We need to fill this gap in the projection world. Or is it, was it just always like something you wanted to do? No, I mean, I was playing in my, in my own home league and uh, I figured it all starts from projections. So, you know, instead of just downloading one set of projections, I'm like, well, how do I know this one's any good? maybe another one's good. And so I downloaded a bunch of them and averaged them together. And the next year I said, wait a minute, uh, maybe one's better than the other. And so I started setting up regressions. I said, well, this one combined with this is better result than this one alone. Um, And lo and behold, after a year or so of doing that, I started winning my home league every year. Um, And then uh, after winning and winning and winning, I figured maybe there's something better. So uh, I played a, a contest called Doubt Wars. Um, Tout Wars obviously is the expert league that I fortunately now play in, but, uh, you know, I was just there and, uh, I, there's a contest they have called beat the experts and you can play it by selecting any play. It's a salary cap league in that if a tout took it for $17, so you can take them for $18. If you pay one more than the tout, you get the player and you can set up your team any way you'd like. And at the end of the year, you see if, you know, who's the best guy doing it. Do you beat the experts? And I finished second nationally when I did that. So I, I knew the ATC projections were a hit. And I asked the guy who ran it, Peter Kreutzer, like, what would be the next step for me? And he said, play the NFBC. And I did that. And I won in my first two years. Um, thankfully, um, when I was there, um, I played in a league with a Fangraphs writer, uh, or I should say a team of Fangraphs writers, and, you know, told them about what I did and how my projections work. And they thought it was great. And got me in touch with Eno Saris and that's sort of sort of what happens. I wasn't really expecting or saying I want to now do something for fantasy baseball. I was just trying to win my league and move on to the next challenge and there you go. Just like that. It seems so natural in the storytelling. It's very impressive. You just thank do. You, you keep you. doing, you keep doing, you keep doing. And thank you, thank you. you're connected with the right people. That helps too. Is there a benefit of mock drafts to you or no? Um, I'm not a big mock draft guy in order to get information. Um, 
you know, I mean, I do mostly auction leagues, so most of most of them that are available are stupid. Meaning, like you go on and you know, Freddie Freeman will go for seventy five dollars, and then that then that guy will buy Mike Trout for eighty dollars, and he'll leave the auction and say bye bye, and it'll auto pick dollar players for him. So there's not much good information. Uh, it's good to to get used to your software if you're drafting on ESPN. Do a mock because you get used to the software and you don't want to go into your own league, not familiar with the online drafting software. You want it to just be, oh, I've done this before. Um, I used to do more mocks, but um, no, nah, I, I, I don't really do that. I, I'm invited to a couple of industry things here and there, and I talk players all the time. Um, I, I can just look at an ADP list and, and go from there. I don't really find myself needing to do these mocks because they're not real. To me, you got to put some money money on it to be like it, when you play poker. Do you play with your friends for no money? It's a different game. Even if you say it's five dollar buy-in, it's a different game. So I it loses all its luster. It, well, it loses it loses the meaning because it's about yeah. betting, right? I mean, I, I'm going to play the stock market. I'm just going to list stocks I think I should buy. It doesn't mean anything until you put your own money down. You know? Damn right. That's what I'm saying. The luster for me is the excitement of the gambling and the victory and winning the money too. Right. It's not just playing with my friends or anybody. Right. Right. If you play online with a fake account of a hundred thousand dollars, it just has no value, or and it's pointless. I completely yeah. agree. Is there one or more person or an entity, a a group, a website that you go for fantasy advice besides yourself, or maybe someone you're connected with, somebody out there that you trust for fantasy baseball analysis? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I do a lot with my partner Ruven Guy, and uh, you know, I trust him for a lot of the thoughts, which we agree on most things. Um, but aside from that, I'd say the three best people to uh, look at and follow are uh, Derek Carty. I think he's really sensible and he has a very similar thought process to me. And I, I agree with almost everything he says. Uh, Todd Zola is a great read. You mentioned him earlier in the show. Um, he is such a, such great nuggets of info and he thinks about things and he's always reinventing things. Uh, he's not just content with what he has. Um, his insights are invaluable. I like, I like one of my favorite reads. Um, and to me, a very underrated guy because he's just, he's almost like a sidekick on some podcasts. It's Derek Van Riper. I mean, he, he has two nominated, uh, FSWA nominated podcasts for the athletic and he's not the host really of any, it's the, the, or he's not the main guy. It's, it's the other guys, but to tell you the truth, he's the best fantasy player there. Um, he understands the market, understands risk, understands uh, risk management, how to combine things. Um, he, he is, to me, the best guy to listen to. And when he gives those nuggets of information, uh, you want to read it. So I, I really trust almost everything Derek Van Riper says as well. Derek was on the show last Friday. If you missed that episode, you oh, can go okay. back and listen to it. We had a great time talking with him. He is everything that you said there. And I'm not just trying to agree with everything being said, but when something's uh, true, it's true. Derek Van Riper is intelligent, thoughtful. He knows fantasy very, very well. And what a and, great voice, right? Yes. Oh, Derek Van Riper, the baritone, you know, the bass baritone. <laughs> he's uh, oh, he's so soothing. Yeah. So relaxed, but yeah. so for me, you're listening to uh, you're listening to a high pitched guy. You know, it, it, I, sometimes I, I uh, people call me up on the phone from like, you know, I don't know some uh, agency or whatever. And they think I'm a woman because, uh, hi, I'm Ariel. How you doing? I, I can probably sound like a woman if you think about it with the high pitched voice. Good for singing, I, I'll tell you. Uh, yes. But uh, but it sounds, uh, you know, a little bit high. But uh, it's something about this, the Derek Van Viper's voice and uh, the way he smooth talks. That's just so fantastic. Yeah, you know, uh, there's risk in everything, but I'm Derek Van Riper. There's risk in being myself. You know, he does that so well. You're right. I agree. That's why we had him on the show. And we, I loved having his voice on. He's great. Plus, Todd Zola, 
doesn't know me from uh, a hole in the wall, but I got a free Masters Ball subscription last year that I won on the Palooza that uh, Justin Mason wow. last April. It was a fundraiser, and I had never had access to Zola stuff, and I really found it to be very useful. So I would also concur with that. Todd Zola, mastersball.com. Check it out. One of the best there is. I mean, he's a yeah. great player, and he knows what he's talking about. Those are good calls. Uh, is there any gaps in our current fantasy baseball knowledge that you can think of right now? Like something that needs to be filled that isn't being filled? Or would you have already thought of it and done it yourself? I mean, t- to me, uh, and it- it's what I do, is I think that people are so super focused on the players. You know, which player? This one or that one? It's You know, if you ever, ever watch the league, uh, the-, the-, the show The League? Give me a rank. I need Barry, I need a rank. I need a rank. This one or that one. And you're disappointed if the guy doesn't, uh, doesn't actually have more points at the end of the day. Um, it's not about that. I don't win because I know more than, more than anybody else. Um, you know, I'm, I played last year in the head-to-head, uh, Tout Wars head-to-head mixed, uh, uh, head-to-head points league. I'm telling you, the, it's a little bit daunting to play with these guys. They have such a, a, a knowledge of players. They know minor league players, deep players. I, I don't know as many players. Um, I just know how to assess value. And I think that knowing how to properly evaluate and knowing um, the fact that, you know, if you have a certain person on your squad, that player, the next player is worth less or worth more and adjusting value, knowing how to fit teams together, players together. The as- the strategy aspects of the game, you know, waiver wire, how much should you bid in a player? Should you, how often should you bid? I don't think people talk about that enough. You know, it, it's not just who's available in the wire this week. I think I should pick up this guy. No, it's, you should be playing the wire with a certain frequency. You should be playing the wire with a certain amount. There's some strategy elements. I think what's missing in people's fantasy baseball games is the strategy element. It's too much on just the players and not enough about what to do with the information. Hmm. So it's more about the values. That's interesting. Cause I think we're, it seems like I have a lot of conversations about value and it almost gets kind of played out value, value. What's the value there? Um, maybe that's because I've been talking with people who know what they're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's, not that I know more than them. I don't, yeah. but I'm, I'm trying to absorb as much as I can. And, you know, in a selfish so way. Like, I, uh, and I'll give you an example. Um, uh, who would you rather have Shane Bieber or you Darvish? This year. Uh, well, I guess in a vacuum, probably Bieber. Okay. How about uh, Cole versus DeGrom? Oh, God, that's tough. Uh, I don't, I mean, uh, DeGrom. So between the two, which was the more important question? <laughs> you know, what I mean by this is that whether you get whether you get DeGrom or Cole doesn't really matter because they're all at a certain level. But the drop between Bieber and Darvish in terms of value is humongous. If you get yep. that wrong, you're going to be far away. It doesn't really matter if you get DeGrom or Cole. I don't care. I'm indifferent. They're, they're close in value to the top guys. But to drop all the way, knowing where the gaps are, knowing the tiers are, knowing the value, the difference in value, replacement value, uh, that's really more, more and more important. It's knowing about which questions matter. If you can give me five players and say who's better, the answer could be who the hell cares. But if you ask me between two players, that could make a difference. So knowing where to put the emphasis is big. This is what Ryan Bloomfield said on the pod last week, that leagues are often won in rounds 8 through 15. Not at the beginning, not at the end, but in that middle where some of the biggest value gaps can happen and you can get an advantage. Would you agree with something like that? Or 
Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, it's it's certainly not one in the first round. You're just trying to retain value. But yeah, you you the way to win is is you, I mean you can win by you can win two ways. You can get lucky and pick a guy in the thirtieth round, and whoa, this guy is fantastic. But you didn't have any ingenuity in that. You don't tell me you think that guy in the thirtieth round was going to be the next Mike Trout. Um, it's won by getting singles and doubles in the mid rounds and saying uh, this guy is four rounds underpriced, and there you go, he is. And if you do that with 10 different players and have a four round gap, you're making up so much value. You'll get those lucky guys at the very end. You'll pick up a lucky waiver wire guy that you never thought of that. Look at that. You know, he ran me to safety, but that can happen anytime. It's knowing how to pick guys in the middle rounds. And I agree with Ryan Bloomfield, who is also an excellent analyst in it of himself. Yeah, he was. He's great. And he has killer hair, by the way. Amazing. Uh He has Kramer hair. He seriously has Kramer hair. It's awesome. I couldn't believe it. Luke Voigt comes to mind, by the way, what you were just talking about. That was a guy that was undervalued last year because he'd been hurt. Yep. And then people who knew that cashed in on that. But does that mean you have to know the deepest analysis? Are you saying that player analysis, like the deepest details, uh, like barrel percentages and getting into the minute stat cast data, is that not as important as knowing the value? Or does the value come from knowing all of that stuff to be able to separate it? That's a good question. There's a, there's a Pareto principle, though, that if, if you have at a certain point, the more information you add, it's not going to really give you any more information. Like if I have the barrel rate, do I also need to know the exit velocity? You know, it, it, I, I can probably be good with, good with one of them. Do I have to know that at all if I just see a power trend over the year? Like, you know, it comes to a point where um, to me, a lot of this, these stats are more descriptive and maybe prove a point. And, uh, well, you know, he did, but he did this. Okay, so there's a reason. Um, no, I, I think that uh, the, you can get bogged down in some of the minutia in stats, and uh, it's, it's more about how to do with the players. You know, you get a general sense of value, um, but you don't have to know all these all these deep stats to be good at fantasy you you don't um not to say they don't have a value they do but i don't think it adds as much it's not the this stack cast data is gonna be the to send you to the moon it's just gonna marginally get you or it'll help you catch players that you might otherwise miss that's true um but it's not the be all end all i I don't think it adds as much as people think it does that is why we do this show. That was fantastic. Thank you. This is why we do it, man. We learn and we understand. We are drowning in information sometimes. And I think standard issue, basic fantasy baseball players, they feel that too. Now, the high stakes people, they're always going to want more information and they know what their process is anyways. But I'm trying to do a show for everybody, you know, not just NFC players. I mean, Yahoo players, they're we're all oh, like, um, so, so, so for give you an example. So, um, I, I submit to fantasy pros, the ATC projections a, a, as a ranking. Here's just exactly what ATC splits uh, spits out before I look at it myself and say, I think push this guy up this rate down or, you know, just unadjusted and everybody submits their own rank. Um, ATC came out as the, 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 the top analyst, right? My name, I'm the top analyst. And it was really just whatever ATC spit out. Um, I'm not, I, obviously I'm trying to, to promote myself here, but the point, is that um, you don't know uh, so much and you're going to tell me that you're going to really study the stat cast and because you study it so much, you're going to be able to to beat, you know, the projections. Maybe you'll beat them in certain instances, but in the long run, you're not. So again, the way that you should do it is start with a base, start with the ATC projections. And then if you happen to find a piece of information here and there, 
then knock a player down and put a player up. But don't just build it up from the top and 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 take any stat as as grain there. The other thing I'll say though is that if when you're in season, um, it's it it is help. I I'll put it this way: I find that these stats are more helpful in season than out of season because then there's a change in a player. Like if you look at the strikeout rate and a player strikeout rate is very different than before, instant change. You know that there's something about him. Walk, but he's walking more. Pitcher is is throw is throwing the change up more. Pitch mix. So the instant changes in season and that kind of descriptive data that's helpful to find how changes are in season. Before the season, I think it matters a little bit less than people think that it does. That's it. We're in preseason right now and been doing a bunch of shows already myself you're doing shows and you're working on atc projections and we've been busy in the details of preseason but we can't lose sight of the value of these stats as indicators during the season as it's progressing i think that is probably yeah biggest takeaway that is a great point ariel that much and like uh how about how about like wander franco okay does it really pay to analyze how good wander franco is like why even deep dive into him at all? Just know that he's a top prospect and gamble on what kind of playing time he's going to get, right? The playing time matters more than all, all the skills. You know he's a top prospect. Question is how much playing time you can get. You don't need de- any deep dives on him, right? For certain players, maybe you need more deep dives. For certain players, you don't. You also know, have to know how to balance how much information you need out of each player. Beautiful. I think... That sums it up. That is what we do this segment for. We want this on the record forever so people can fire it up and say, hey, what does Ariel think of the fantasy process? Uh, I think this is the kind of stuff that makes the difference in your understanding and why you do the things you do in your own process. So take a look what you're doing now. I'm talking to the audience, all of you. Take a look what you're doing now. Listen to this segment again and try to adjust. Don't get caught up. Wanda Franco is a great player. But he also plays for the Rays. And if you listen to the podcast so far, we already talked about this. You know, the Rays are a nightmare when it comes to playing time. And Willie Adamas is still there and so on and so forth. So the people that are drafting Wander Franco right now at like 200, I think think you're taking a big risk. And I think that's something that Ariel would probably fight against because that's what you're all about. You're looking at the risk assessment and the value. In in a deep league, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. In a shallow league? Yeah, sure. Take a stab. Of course, the the cost of him is going to cost you a lower pick. And then you could just, you know, the, the, the replacement level, if you want to, you know, get a player on the waiver wire to replace him, it won't cost you that much draft capital. Right. But if you have to take him in a deep league, you're spending a lot where you can get like a productive player. Starlin Castro. Who's to say that Starlin Castro is not going to give you more production than Wander Franco this year? If you had to take a bet, I would bet on Starlin Castro. Right. So. You know, you, you have to see where, where you are, what kind of league you're in. And uh, I, I rely more on the steady eddies more than most people. And, and that's why I, I think I, I am successful. Like steady Eddie Rosario. Steady Eddie Rosario. Yeah, I, I, I have him on some team every single year. It, feel, it feels like. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. That is an insight into Ariel's Fantasy Foundation. I could ask more and more questions, but we can't be here forever. That was really good stuff. And I hope you like that segment because we did it for you and a tiny bit for myself. I'm, I admit there's a selfish aspect of this where I want to learn and get better, too. And I think listening to people who know what they do and have done it like Ariel is a net benefit to all of us. All right. How about this? We'll do some shine or ride the pine. Get your uh, tweets and emails. We'll do a mad as hell and this show will be over. Shine or ride the pine. We usually use 
Ariel's ATC projections. We've used it on many a show, but for this show, oh, let's use it. it. Let's use it. Let's use it. <laughs> you want to use it? Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see if we disagree with ATC, right? <laughs> All right. Hey, let's do it. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Uh, I think this is funny. All right, first guy up, Alex Cobb. Just recently traded, so maybe this isn't fair, but uh, 156 innings pitched. Do you agree with yourself? Uh, <laughs> Alex Cobb, yeah. Well, um, Alex Cobb should get innings. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, whether he is any value of fantasy, uh, I don't think so, unless you're in a uh, like a best ball or a, like a DC type. Uh, where you know you just need some innings and some guy to bounce up somewhere in the middle. Um, can he do uh, uh, something like uh, Dylan Bundy did last year? Uh, the, can the Angels do that to him? Maybe. Uh, I'm not that interested in him. But um, yeah, I, I agree with the ATC assessment that he's mediocre, but he'll get a decent amount of innings. Would it surprise you to know that Alex Cobb has a career ERA under four? Uh, it would surprise me to, to know that. Um, but I also know that he's injured he's been injured eight out of ten major league seasons on the il it's not a good stat you want to have i mean mm. cal ripkin was not on the il for eight for I mean, he played longer and he was not on the il for eight seasons so uh, yeah, that's another good stat to know that's true career 3.88 era for cobb and the fip career 405 so not far off but yes health 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 it will always be an issue cobb is in la now with the angels with his old pal bundy and Jose Quintana, and a whole host of cast-offs. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, I got another guy. We covered this briefly earlier. Nolan Arenado, he's officially a Cardinal now. Uh, there might be an adjustment for home runs, but as far as average, too, is there going to be a big hit? Because you're predicting a 285 average. Would this definitely be something you wouldn't agree with now because it'll have to be updated? Uh, well, this will have to be updated, and I'm already updating them. Um, I, I agree with uh, ATC's process for projection uh, for Arenado. I have him lower than than some. I have him higher than some. I think I'm somewhat close to where the market is. Uh, I think he's a, a, a more steady player than people think. I mean, he had a terrible year last year, but some of that is injury. Yes, his stat cast numbers are down. But I think it is somewhat related to the injury. Um, look, the Cardinals are not trading prospects and taking all that cash for somebody who they don't believe in. So I have to think that um, he's going to be a lot more stable than, than you think. Um, I, I, I think Nolan Arenado is a great safe pick there. And you don't have to pay for a second round value for him. He's now dropped quite a bit. So uh, I, I like him uh, just, as, just as the ATC projection says. Jack Flaherty, another Cardinal. 2020 season, you know, it is what it is. 2019, second half, killer. What a second half it was. 2021, ATC projection, 176 innings pitched. Yay or nay? Uh, I'm going to take the under on on the uh, the innings. Um, you know, the who knows what's going to happen this year. Jack Flaherty is an arm I think they want for the future. He did have almost 200 innings in 2019, but he ramped down to only 40 uh, this past year. Um, I would bet on on the downside, a little bit nervous about him. So I'll take slight under, but, uh, you know, if you wanted me to get, you know, over under bet, maybe if you went to 170, I'd be good, you know. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, that's what we do. We say, we usually, we give you the number and you say, uh, shine or ride the pine. Shine means you're taking the over. Ride the pine means you're taking the under. So I'll, I'll ride the pine on, on this ATC projection then. There it is. Here's another hot name. Kyle Tucker. Everyone's waiting for the ultimate Kyle Tucker season. In 2021, ATC has him pegged for 20 stolen bases as of today. What do you say to that? Um, I'm going to uh, ride the pine on the 20 stolen bases. I mean, uh, stealing is pretty much uh, down in, in all of baseball in general. So as a general rule, it's good to take the under on everybody. I, I, I'm not as high as a lot of other people are. He's going in the second round, Kyle Tucker. To me, that's sort of risky. I'm not there on him. Uh, ATC is a little bit more tempered than most industry projections, but even at 20, I will I will go the under on uh, Kyle Tucker's stolen bases. The actuary in you says, "Ooh, that is not worth the risk." And Kyle Tucker is a shiny toy, though. It kind of goes to my uh, Power of Prospect song. You know, he's that. You know, it, and by the way, you know, it's not really fair to ask an actuary these questions. The answer is almost always the under on everything, right? It's. it's right. I'm not an optimist. I'm a, I'm a regress to the middle math guy. So, uh, you know, you can probably just uh, you could you should have made a drop for me that says I'll take the under. You know. <laughs> You're right. We should have. I mean, this is kind of a pointless exercise in a sense. <laughs> We're doing it anyways. What the hell? Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray plays for the Reds still, as far as we know. And this season, he will have a 3.84 ERA, according to ATC. 3.84. You want to go 3.84 under or over? I'll go over. And the reason is that uh, last year he played the NL Central uh, and some of the AL Central only. This year, it looks like he's going to play a lot more different divisions in all of baseball. So I think some of the numbers could be skewed uh, downwards. Uh, I would probably bet the over on this uh, if I had uh, going forward. Boy. Such a tantalizing player at times. Uh, I think there's some risk there. And I would agree. I, I wish his ADP was a little bit lower than it is right now. That's where I would come out on that. I mean, if Sonny Gray has been, he's had fantastic years. He's had awful years. Fantastic years, awful years. It's hard to know what you're going to get out of Gray. Um, and he's going in the fifth round. I do not want to take a player in the fifth round that I don't know what I'm going to get. I think I'd rather take Zach Ranky a round or two later that I know is going to give me a lot. I just don't know how long he's going to last anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair, too. What about Trent Grisham? Trent Grisham, to me, always brings a lot of divisiveness where he's being drafted and what we can expect from him. He showed real promise in 2020, and that lineup in San Diego is just ridiculous. It's an outstanding lineup and come in terms of run production. ATC says 24 home runs from Trent Grisham this year. You want to go over or ride the pine? No, I'll take the shine. I'll, I'll I'll go over on Trent Gresham. I think he's an exciting player. He had he was he had ten homers last year on the pace for twenty seven. Um, I I think he's exactly what the uh, the Padres wanted in him, um, and I, I kind of like him. I think he's priced somewhat fairly, maybe a little bit too high for me. But on the homers, I I will bet the over. Here's a guy who's always injured and has to be factored into any projection system. Jim Carlos Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton is a guy that, you know, it speaks for itself. We know the injury history. But this year, ATC likes him to play a few games. 114 games. Are you going to take the over or ride the pine? 
Uh, this is a tough question to ask. I, I have no idea whether he's healthy or not. Yeah. I suspect he, he. I suspect he isn't because uh, uh, all of a sudden he's healthy. I mean, he's had uh, he had 59 at bats in 2019, 76 at bats last year. Um, I, I, I'll take the under uh, just because uh, I, I can't. I, he uh, guilty until proven innocent here. Like he, he, he show me show me some health before I trust him at, at all. I'm not interested in taking these binary. He's in or out. I mean, yeah, he can hit 50 home runs. He can also hit four. I, I just, I don't want to be there for the four. <laughs> <laughs> not fair. But hey, this is why we ask these questions because Stanton, he can't be injured forever. Or maybe he can. I get. I don't know. I, maybe that is a possibility. But I, I'm actually pro Stanton in 2021. I feel like there's going to be some positive efforts and some health. 114 games though. Still, I don't know if I'd do that. Maybe 100 games. But that's about as high as I'm willing to go. Rizel Iglesias has a new home in L.A. He's on the West Coast. Pitched in Cincinnati his entire career. New beginnings in 2021. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, I like a lot. But you have him for an 11.01K per nine. Are you willing to shine that and take the over or ride the pine? 11.01. So basically 11. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go over on, on, on that. Um, I think that uh, L.A. has done good for pitchers. L.A., um, Angel Stadium there is is a good pitcher's park. Um, gets some good strikeouts there. I, I tend to uh, like that acquisition. I think the Glacius is going to really shine in, in L.A., and uh, I'll, I'll go over. Yeah. Yay! Woohoo! Beautiful. Here's a guy who's been dismissed a lot. Lance McCullers. I haven't heard much talk about him and those that I do talk to when it gets brought up, they're just dismissed. Like he's an injury risk constantly can't trust him, but there have been incredible moments in his career, but yet you just don't know what you can do with a guy like this. So I ask you, your ATC says 151 IP this year. Shine that or ride the pine, ride the pine. I'm, I'm not trusting that. Um, he's he's one of these guys that you know is good while he pitches, but I don't know how long. Uh, he's like he's like Rich Hill, right? You, you just don't know how long he's going to last. Um, I, I'll take the unders on McCullers. Some fun curveballs there, Hill and uh, McCullers, but yeah, too much risk. Charlie Morton. Speaking of risk, I thought he was going to throw in the towel. I really did. I'm shocked that he's still playing, but he signed a one year deal in Atlanta. Wants to go for the gold. It's a new park for him. He's been with the Rays for the last couple of years, and he was with the Astros before that. And so on and so forth. In 2021, ATC says he will have an ERA of 3.83. Shine that under or ride the pine? I'll go under on on the uh, on the ERA. I mean, he he reminds me of Roy Halladay in terms of his mechanics. Um, just a solid pitcher. Um, yeah, I, I think that Atlanta will be a good spot for him. I think they'll get a chance to win games to be late in ballparks. Uh, he'll be stay in the ball in the game for later. Uh, I'll go under. I think that uh, he is of ace caliber, uh, and I think he can show that again. I don't think he's just an innings eater that that they're just getting to to stuff a, a fourth, you know, fourth starter. I think that they're counting on him to be a one-two kind of guy. Ah, all right, two more. Kyle Lewis, rookie of the year in the American League. I thought it was going to be Luis Robert, but no, Kyle Lewis still the show. In 2021, you have him. ATC says a 10.2% walk percentage. You want to take the over and shine that or ride the pine on 10.2% walk percentage? Um, I'll go over. Seattle is not such a great lineup. And so anybody who's any good, they might pitch around. 
that's my thinking uh, i don't really have a big rhyme or reason to do that otherwise um so i'll go over and finally the new acquisition of the new york mets francisco lindor you got to be excited atc says he's going to steal 18 bags shine 18 or more steals or ride the pine so I'm already, ATC is actually under most projections right now. Um, the Mets don't steal that much. Uh, I'm going to go under. I think that, I think ATC has Conforto with seven, seven stolen bases, which is the next most. Um, I think that he's not going to be a big stolen baser. Why would you want to steal a base when you've got Alonzo and Conforto and Dom Smith behind you? So um, I, I don't see a reason for him to amp up the stolen bases at all. This is where we agree because I sold him because I don't trust the steals anymore. And that it was a trend last year. He batted third in the lineup. It was, and he didn't steal at all because he was in yeah. third position. And he this- should not be a, a first rounder in Roto. I don't see that. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know why people are drafting him as such. I actually have him ranked as the eighth best Roto uh, shortstop. There's so many other guys. I think that are, are more interesting than, than him uh, to be taken in, above him. Beautiful. Yep. I completely agree with that. Well, there it is. Ariel Cohen on his very own ATC projections. Where are you going to find that on another show? I mean, he could do it on his own show, but on this show, we got him to, you know, walk the walk essentially. Well done, Ariel. Let's get Thank some you. quick tweets and emails. And uh, that'll be the end of this after a mad as hell. Shooters shoot at never on time. Phil asks finding value in auction drafts. What players are current must haves? based on the industry's low evaluation in comparison of expected production. So he's looking for value in auction drafts for players that are current must-haves based on industry low evaluations? Um, it's never a must-have, but uh, the players who appear to be profitable, according to ATC at least, and I, I gave some of these on the CBS show uh, earlier yesterday, um, Eddie Rosario seems pretty good. Tyler Glass now seems pretty good. I think that you're getting a good price for that. Um Randall Grichuk is another player. I didn't mention him before. He seems pretty good uh, for the price, and that lineup is looking pretty good, and I think he'll get decent playing time. Um, anybody else? Uh, Eduardo Escobar seems like a very good value, uh, not for doing much better than what he's done in his career. Uh, so I'll go with those couple. Bruce Carlson at B Carlson 640 on Twitter. Interested in how to apply skew. For example, Turner, Tatis, and Story all first round with a skew of 0.71 to 1.97 and negative 0.2, respectively. How do I think about applying skew to my advantage in drafts? Fantastic stuff, as always. He loves it. So skew is something we didn't talk about yet. Could we cover that first before you answer this? Yeah, so we mentioned the interprojectional volatility, and we talked about the standard deviation, how some some projections, for some players, projections are tight, and some projections are wide apart. Uh, with that, you also get something called skewness, which tells you um, a little bit about the shape. Is it centered? So when we when when projections are up and down across the average, is it centered? And if so, the skew would be, close to zero if there's one projection or two projections that's really above high then that's a positive skew and and there's gonna be more projections lower just one that's propping up the average or the opposite negative there's one projection that's low so it gives you a flavor for how variable the standard deviation how variable the, the projections are but also what's the shape of that or is there one projection that's outshining the rest um i like um I generally like the players with a little bit more negative skew because that means that more projections are up top 
and the one is probably an outlier, right? One of these things we Sesame Street. What well, you can learn so many so many lessons from Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other, right? Um, so negative skew will actually tell you there's one guy that's really low. Uh, that means that there's some some upside there uh, as far as the average goes. Uh, so that's how I would use it in in, in taking a look, and you can see um, you know which players you know, have more skew, less skew, more volatility. Just gives you a nice flavor for ATC, something that you haven't gotten to see before. Wow. I am going to have to stew on that for a while. That's very interesting because I also don't have a lot of experience with auction drafts and I want to get more experience in 2021 with baseball. I've done a lot of football auction drafts, but never done a baseball one. And I think that's something that I could really use to my advantage. Thank you. Sure. And thank you for all your emails, tweets. Well, we had no emails. We just had tweets. Those are fantastic, and we always appreciate. That's what makes the show is when you guys connect with us. Thank you so much for that. Finally, in our final segment, it is time for... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! That's right. Uh, we haven't done a mad as hell in about a week or so, and Janice Scurio got really pissed off about contact lenses. So this week, Ariel Cohen, we give you the floor anything that you want to talk about it is your time to vent and get it all out there yeah well i mean i'll, I'll talk i'll talk a bit about you know what i'm mad about in terms of baseball since since we know this and not talking about fantasy but just talking about about baseball in general um i try not to be um politically correct i try not to be uh uh, uh, political at all you know i i'm not trying to really influence anything or whatnot uh but uh you know, with all this discussion of the players versus the owners and whatnot, and I know most most writers, most baseball writers, are probably on the player side. From what I hear, I've seen I've seen uh, I, I, John Heyman tweeted stuff. Looks like he was on the owner side. To tell you the truth, I really don't care. I, I'm not on either side as a fan. I really don't care if the owners are pocketing money. I really don't care if the owners, are, if the players are pocketing money. I think it'd be great if if all everyone got along and people. It's a marketplace, right? I mean, pay, the money that you can make is what people are going to pay you, right? If the owners are not going to pay, you're not going to get it. If you're not worth the millions of dollars, it is what it is, and because it's so top heavy. Um, that's, that's the way it is. Um, it's not great. It, it, you know, and of course the, and if the union wants to fight to have it more in the middle, go for them. It's your business deal. Go for it. But from the fans perspective, I think people don't care. You're basically putting, pitting millionaires against billionaires. Um, and uh, I think that not my point of, of all this is that what gets lost is the game. Um, should, should there be a DH? I think it should be the fans. You know, there should be a commissioner, Manfred, whoever, says, let's look out for the fans. Should there be expanded playoffs? Well, what are the fans like? Should we have fans in the stadiums and therefore we should push the date f forward? It should be what's better for the fans. Who is looking out for the fans? The players are looking out for themselves. I don't blame them. The owners looking out for themselves. I don't blame them either. Nobody's looking out for the fans here. And you're not making it about the fans. You're making it about money. Your money, their money, and you should have every right to fight for everything you want. But it bothers me that it just nothing is being said about the fans. Nobody cares. There's nothing, nothing's being addressed. The address is the safety of the players. And God bless, I, I want safety in players. What about the fans? Do the fans get a say as to whether they want to watch games earlier? Do the fans get a say whether they want to attend stadiums so delay the season? They want more game, you know. It it just no, nothing's being done for the fans here, and it that's bothering me a little bit. The other thing I'll rant about is the Hall of Fame, 
And I know that Kurt Schilling was not voted, and a lot of people decided we're not going to vote for him because uh, we don't like the things he says or does. And we're not going to vote for Barry Bonds because we suspected him of steroids, right? Um, I don't agree with any of that stuff. I think that if they're on the ballot, they're eligible. Character should not be on the ballot. Character should be a limiting factor. If a guy commits a crime, he should be out of the Hall of Fame and not eligible. Pete Rose is not eligible for votes. So because the Hall of Fame, whether that's right or not, they've decided he's not. And you can't vote for him. Fine. But Barry Bonds is on the ballot. And Kurt Schilling is on the ballot. And if you don't believe he makes the Hall of Fame for his merits, fine. Uh, Kurt Schilling was not involved in steroids and whatnot. Nothing during his playing career. There's no reason, no reason not to vote for him because you don't like some things he said later. Okay, and I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with him. You know, I don't agree with a lot of things he says, but I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be voted for or against based on what he says. Um, it's pretty bad that the Hall of Fame is uh, uh, does not have the uh, Pete Rose, who has the most hits of all time. Does not have Barry Bonds, who has the most home runs of all time. It's kind of silly. And the interesting thing also is, you know, the baseball writers are vo- the ones voting for the Hall of Fame. But they've also been the ones to – the same group has voted for the awards. Barry Bonds won how many MVP awards? So you're okay to vote for an MVP award, but you're not okay to vote for him for the Hall of Fame. I think that distinction shouldn't be there. If he's guilty of something, of steroids, and the Hall says we're banning people because they've been convicted, great. He actually wasn't which is a separate point, but it should be the Hall's decision whether the character makes him eligible, and it should be the writers deciding whether the playing aspect of it puts him in. So that's that's my feeling on the issue. Barry Bonds should be a Hall of Fame. I don't personally think that Kurt Schilling should be a Hall of Fame based on his merits of the game, but I think that he should be eligible if you wanted to vote for him. At this. And the final little piece, how many writers – sent in a blank ballot you waited 10 years or whatever it is to get a ballot for the hall of fame and you throw nobody in none of these players you couldn't determine whether barry bonds or these guys are eligible to are are, are fit for the hall of fame you throw in zero and you say thanks that's my piece a shame on you come on that's just that's just nonsense i'll take your spot if you if you if you don't want to think about uh uh doing that first off i'd like to commend you for just expressing yourself freely. And on the show, we don't have a debate about the matter. So we just let people vent freely and we move forward. Thank you for doing that. Cause it's not easy to do so, especially in today's day and age. And I commend you for just speaking your mind. I don't think anything I said was politically correct or incorrect or, or whatnot. I think that it's just a mindset that, and a lot, most people, uh, most people actually believe that the bonds and, and whatnot should be the bonds and Clemens should be in the hall of fame. Um, I, I think that's, you know, he, maybe they won't get 75% of the vote from the writers, but I think most people are, are on the side that that era was tainted anyways. Um, so you're going to throw out everybody. Um, and of course, if you want to say that he cheated and cheaters, Sure, you're entitled to your own opinion. I just think that the the merits uh, of that should be based on on the whole should limit you whether you're eligible or not. Um, and, and as far as the owners and 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 this, go ahead. You know, if you want to slide with the players, look, I I understand it's a bunch of billionaires and they have been squeezing the players for a while. I understand that, no problem. But to me, that's a business. You know, and business do that just like they fight for whatever they can owners are fighting whatever they can but my point i think is valid that it we're the fans in all this who cares they're your market uh you know the younger generation is not is not as thrilled anymore uh, it, 
I think we need to focus on how to get the kids in the stands, how to get it interesting. Less about uh, about this. Just just give the players the DH. Like that, that's good for baseball. You know, uh, uh, the players just 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 delay the season a week or two so that there's more chance for fans. Like just just do that. I. I I, I don't understand. It's just a, well, I'm giving up this negotiation ploy. I'm giving this negotiation ploy. And you're entitled to do that. No problem. But uh, we have the fans in all this. I, I just, you know, I, I think that's a valid uh, point of view, whether you agree with it or not. Um, you're welcome to debate me, anybody on this. Um, I don't have a very strong opinion on all these, but some of these things bother me. And that's why we have you on the show, because you get to speak your mind. And we do this segment so we can let it all out. We got to get it out of our systems. That's why we do it and for me it's real simple i'm as mad as hell i'm pissed off about medicine uh, addiction medicine has got major problems uh, i am recovering opioid user well over three years i've been in recovery and i'm very proud of that and i've worked hard to get to this point and yet uh a doctor comes and goes out of a practice and you get treated i get treated like i just came off the street and i'm untrustworthy and there's no respect for me and that I'm a fiend or some all the stereotypes and cliches that come with someone who's involved in addiction. They come right back to the forefront when a doctor leaves a practice and a new one comes in. There's no credibility for you all of a sudden because this new doctor doesn't know you, despite the years, literally years that I built up with my own practice. They know who I am. Uh, you know, we they do they do urine tests. And part of it is to say hey, we want to make sure you're staying on the straight and narrow. But another part of it is they get paid. Insurance pays out for every urine test. It's one of the dirty secrets of addiction medicine. It's a huge money maker. Every single urine test, it's instant money. We're talking big money for these people. So initially, it may have started to be like, you know, if you come off the street and you're trying to stay clean, I can see why you want to test someone's urine to make sure they're not using. But I've been well over three years in recovery. And yesterday, I was accused that I was trying. I couldn't go pee. I <laughs> I had this awful pee fright for some reason. I drank a bunch of water and tea before I went to the doctor. I just couldn't go. It was awful. I, I don't know why it happened, but it just it kept getting worse the more the buildup continued on. And I sat there for like over two hours. And I didn't want to go in anyways because of COVID. Here I am in a doctor's office. You know, I, I've got my mask on and my face shield. And I'm like, God, I can't wait to get out of here. But now I'm staying here even longer because I can't go pee. And they can't trust me to think I'm trying to pull a fast one on them. And that just really disappoints me because it's already an uphill battle as it is with addiction. We need to have more support and people need to be given more credibility, especially those who have built up time and effort and established a rapport. You can look at the records. They were all legit. I was telling them, Hey, get a catheter, suck this pee out of me. I don't care. It's clean. I'm, I'm, I don't use it. It was really, really frustrating. And I just want people to know that's the kind of things you got to go through even three plus years, three and a half years gone from my last use. Uh, I, I live a normal life now and I'm doing well and I, I do the show with you guys and I love doing fantasy baseball and I'm doing everything I want to be doing now. My life is pretty damn good right now, but I think it's important to speak up for the other people who are like me, who feel that they have, it just can't be trusted. That, that's a shitty feeling. It doesn't feel good to feel that way. And I think more Medical doctors, MDs, need to understand addiction medicine better. They just don't. It's a huge – I talked about asking Ariel, like, what's the big gap in knowledge in fantasy baseball? This is a huge gap in medicine still. Addiction medicine is not understood well because it's not taught properly. So it's not their fault necessarily because it's all through the medical schools that get them to that point. So that's my rant today. That's what pissed me off. That's what bothered me. And 
I just uh, I hope that we can continue to understand addiction better and do more by educating doctors. Man, good, good for you recovering. It's it's not an easy thing, and uh, um, you know whether it's it's addiction or or uh, weight loss or you know quit smoking, whatever it is. Uh, things things are not easy in life. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times on these shows we we try to you know be positive and whatnot. Um, but you know the things go on in everyday life that that uh, we don't know about. And uh, good good for you to talk and tell your story, and uh, you know keep on that road. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate that very much. And, you know, I'm a, I just keep doing what I'm doing. Nothing changes for me. But for some people, they just get really confused and nervous. But, hey, yep. that's it. We got mad as hell. We got it out of our system. I feel good now. I'm as mad as hell. I'm no longer mad. I'm at peace with the world, and I'm excited. Thank you, Ariel Cohen, for coming on the show. Really, uh, I honestly really enjoyed this. Like I said, I was a little nervous. But, you know what? I, we got flow, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. You're a stand-up dude. Let's. Thanks. Get it all on the record. Tell people what they can expect from you over maybe the next month or six weeks from now. And, uh, of course, where to find you. Yeah, well, I mean, the number one thing is check out the uh, the projections, which are on every site that I pretty much that I work for. Um, they're on Fangraphs. They're on CBS Sportsline, Rotoballer, Rotochamp has them as well. Um, and listen to my podcast, the Beat the Shift podcast, uh, which is now part of the Fangraphs group. Um you know, mo like like I said, most podcasts talk about players, and yeah, it, you know, knowing players is important, but knowing the strategy and how to use it is very important, um, and that's what we do primarily on my show. Uh, the tidbits of information that you get can't get anywhere else. The thought process, not just about the decision of this guy or this guy, it's does it matter? Does it not matter? How much does it matter? Uh, so that's the kind of stuff we put together. And, you know, my articles and stuff come out. Hopefully that'll it'll give you good nuggets of information uh, as you get into your draft season and to the year. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget that you can find Ariel on Twitter at ATCNY. I am Michael Govier, by the way. MJ Govier on Twitter, G-O-V-I-E-R, and Plazo Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com if you want to send us an email. Utah, give me two. That's right. We really appreciate having Ariel on. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Plazo Podcast. We've got more great guests coming up this week. Paul Spore, Justin Mason, Rob DiPietro, Ben Palmer. The list goes on and on and on. We'll be talking with a lot of great people. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Get in touch with us. And Godspeed. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.